Hi, welcome. It's Eric Roberts. This is a recorded session from the original Propel Worship Leadership Seminar from 2011. This would have been in the early part of the seminar called Ministry in Motion. And in this segment, I'm talking about how to build strong teams, how to develop your leadership, how to begin to approach training and auditioning to get more people involved in your worship ministry. We will talk in this segment a lot about spiritual guidance from you as a worship leader, creating a spiritual uh, foundation for having people on your worship team that will serve and come alongside you and make this an enjoyable experience. So let's listen in to Propel Worship Leadership Seminar. Beginning is Ministry in Motion. But basically, there's four critical steps, and they're right here on your paper. Auditioning, training, teams, and scheduling. And so these are some things that are pretty tricky. And whatever size church you're in, you're going to face this, whether you have 11,000 members or 11. Okay? So we were at a Lincoln Brewster uh, conference a couple weeks ago. And, you know, his church has 11,000 members. That's pretty hard to believe. But um, they have audition, had these audition problems, and they're retweaking their process. Um, they've got a lot of people, and they have a lot of, uh, you know, services. So they, but they've even had the, you know, had to relook at their audition process even recently. So, like I said, the bar keeps going up, and they keep measuring. They're doing the same thing. Even a ginormous church with, I think they had 1,500 volunteers. Uh, I think what did he say they had on their on their. Uh, their worship ministry had 150 volunteers in their worship ministry. It's probably more than some of our churches. Whew, 150 volunteers. How do you audition that many people? So anyway, uh, just to say that, uh, that would be tough. Um, I'll give you a trick, a tip that they said they did uh, at their big church. It made it really easy. Because auditions are something that, <clears throat> that no worship leader I've ever met has said, oh, yeah, I love auditions. I can't wait to start my new job because the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to audition everybody. I mean, you know, that's great, especially if you're like me. I have a music degree, so, you know, I'm, I can audition everybody. You know, I can say, yes, um, this and that. And these are your church friends. Uh, some of them are probably your friends and they're your church family. And if they're not your friends or family yet, then they probably will be because you're going to be there every week of your life. So <clears throat> let's go ahead and audition everybody. And then we'll tell those who aren't that good, they're out. And then, you know, we'll just have a really cool band. So who wants to do that? Nobody. Now, but if in order to build a team, you have to, you, you do have to audition. And there's, uh, because it's a tricky subject, I, I, you can call it whatever you want to. Sometimes I call it um, uh, entrance interview. That's a really good word to use, entrance interview. And so don't, we're going to have auditions for the worship band. We're going to have entrance interviews. It's just an interview. I, gotta, I get to know you, and I get to know your skill set. And then, you know, if there's anything that, whatever, I, it's really not even on an audition. So if, if it's a touchy subject, you can say that. This is an entrance interview. Everybody does one. Even, even if you were going to implement this into your team right now, you could start over. You could say, everybody's going to have an entrance interview into this new, we're, we're stepping it up a level, we're going to go to this level, and we're going to have interviews with the worship leader for everybody. That way, he can get to know them and find their skill sets or whatever. But auditioning is very important, because there are people out there right now waiting to be on your team. So you might say, I don't have enough members, and, and that's, a, that's a common problem with churches. I mean, if they're 
uh, big churches or small churches, it's, it's still the problem. There's not enough people. It's like the, it's because of the job description. People are busy. You know, people have kids, people this and that. And, and a lot of people look up there and think, yeah, it's fine. I don't want to do that, though. I'm, I'm fine. But there, there might be people out there right now that want to be on your team that are really good, that could be on your team. So there's a diagram in your book that's kind of funny that I like because I drew it. It's my doodle. And it's on page uh, 23. And find and grow people to be on your team, okay? There's, there's this guy, he's kind of unhappy on the left, and he is a possible team member, okay? He wants to be on a team. <clears throat> he's open to learning. He has a desire for excellence already in his brain. That's important. This is how you're going to look at somebody that could be possible. And he is self-motivated already. That's what you want. And he has a hunger to worship God. This is your possible team member. This is somebody out there right now in your church. You don't want somebody who wants to be a soloist, who already thinks he knows everything, who really is just kind of a hacker, but basically likes to be up front. And uh, he's a slacker, too. He just wants to be up front, everybody else to do the work. This is the opposite of the guy you want. And he's um, really just in it for himself. I mean, God's cool. Worship is cool. But he, he really is looking for just to kind of be up there. There's people out there like that. Believe it or not, seriously, there are people out there like that. And they're going to come to you because you're the one. You're the gatekeeper to the stage, to that microphone. Hey, I want to be on the worship team. So as a, as a, before you even audition anybody, you're going to probably be looking for people in your church that would be on your team. Self-motivated people that want to be on a team. They're open to learning. These are the people. These are the core values of people you want around you because your team is very precious. They're very important. So we have audition and training. Leads that into this happy, smiling person. Same hairdo, though. Um, that he wants to be a team. He is now a team member. He's motivated. He's excellent. He's well-trained. He's versatile. He's inspired and he's solid. That's what you want on your team. Those are the people. So you want to take these people in your congregation that are like this possible team guy. You want to audition and train them into these people. And that's the burden that you carry. Nobody's going to do that for you. I've never been hired into a church, any, any size church that I've worked for, where they've said, we've got a whole team of motivated, excellent, well-trained, versatile team players out there ready to go. They're out on stage waiting for you and they actually want to do everything you say. And just they, they're just already there. They, you, your bar's here, theirs up there. They're ready to go. I've never had that happen, ever. It's always been the burden that I've been placed with to build a team, to start wherever that church is. Now, that church may be barred up here. It may be barred down here. You don't really choose. You, when you're going into a new church, they already have something in place. But, but you're burdened as a worship leader to take that, whatever it is, envision, measure, grow to start that process, wherever they are. And so you're always going to have to find possible team members and audition and train them into your basically mega worship team force, okay? Now they're used for effective ministry. That's what they're doing. So I'm going to talk about the nuts and bolts of an audition process. Auditioning. Here we go. There are people out there waiting. So how do you audition them? It's got to be a simple process, uh, and you have to communicate it. There's a couple things you have to do. Communicate it. You have to enroll them into the audition. You have to have an audition day. These are basics, but you know. Then you have to decide and tell. That's the best part. So 
what do you do to communicate? I think I had um, this all written out here. Let me pop over to this. To, to communicate your auditions, you just have to be really open. You have to open the door so wide, and you have to basically beg, okay? Get them off their butts into your audition, okay? You have to make yourself approachable, and you have to advertise the opportunity. Put it on your website. Put, these are just some ideas. Put it in your bulletin. Have a quarterly, yearly parties and invite everyone interested in music. You, you just get people together. You start pulling them into your circle. Open that door up and like suck them in. You have to follow leads. Here's one way I get good team members. When you hear someone's interested, hey, I know Bobby, he wants to play guitar. He's just got to get guitar. He's in lessons. Grab that guy, whatever he is. Call him, talk to him. Hey, are you playing? Oh, well, I'm just, you know, most people, the people that you want, the good people. Oh, I just know some chords. I'm, you know, I'm taking lessons. You know, you know it's fine. They're not going to come out and say, especially if you're already good, they're not going to say, oh, I'm, I'm awesome, Put me, sign me up, next week I'll come. You want to find the guy that's, he's already in lessons, he's strumming at home, he is good enough to be on your team, but he probably doesn't realize it. So you want to find him, you want to follow that lead. Yeah, I know Bobby had a guitar, he said he was, even played at a nursing home last week or whatever. Follow that lead, call him, say, hey, I know you've got some talent, why don't you come in for an entrance interview? I'll show you the whole, I'll show you what the team's about. You know, so not, not just, a flood of 11,000 members calling to be auditioned, but what if it's us burdened with finding in the congregation the best people? So following leads is a is really good one for me. It's all about, like I said, personal contact with people that you want on your team. Not everybody you want on your team, but only certain people. So you have to be able to identify and follow leads to those people. Say it from the stage. Don't Don't be afraid to say, hey, Look, we're down the guitar player right now, and uh, we're, or we're down a drummer, and right now we're, we've got this guy playing the bongos because we just don't have a drummer. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, hey, we're, we're really light on bass players. In fact, if, if uh, this guy gets sick, nobody's going to play bass next week. You've got to be honest with your people because then, then you kind of guilt those people out of the pew onto your team. The right people will go, you know, I do play bass. I remember playing bass, and it's been a couple years, but I could do that. So you got to inspire them to get off their rear ends, you know. <clears throat> you got to embrace all skill levels and promote training opportunities. If I am putting together my band and I think, okay, we're, we're pretty good, and I say, hey, we want to have a, a, a bass player, most of the bass players are going to be out there just kind of thinking, okay, whatever. I only know three notes, so I'm, I'm not that good. And they will never come to you. They will never come to you. That's the guy you want. Because you're a mega training machine. That's what you're going to become. You bring them in, and then you train them up to be the, the player that you want them to be. So you have to embrace all skill levels. You don't take the guy that maybe only knows five or six chords and just shove him out. You, you bring him in and train him up. And that's, that's how you'll build a, a good, solid team. But in order to get more people to audition, you have to embrace all those skill levels. You have to have a, a position in place. You have to have a clear set of audition requirements, and that's important. This is the most important, and a set list of expectations. And I've given you some in your book that you, I've already written these out. This is amazing because you don't have to go home and rack your brain for what kind of expectations I would want my people to have. So on page number 24, I have an entrance interview form. And just so you know, all these are on my website. And uh, you'll be able to go in there and download this exact form in a Word document. Okay, and then you can change it if you want. You can put your church letterhead on it, whatever you want to do. They'll think you thought it up or whatever. So you don't have to do that. You can print it off right out of the book and just say, hey, we need to get this going. I'm going to start this way. So the thing about auditioning is you have to have a set of list of expectations for each instrument in your band. 
These expectations will be at the core of your training materials. So as we go into training, we're going to know exactly, almost like this guitar player should be able to play this many chords, this many whatevers, he should be able to play these strumming patterns. And if he cannot do that, yes, he might pass the audition, but he'll be a trainee and he'll be expected to learn that before he's on the team. So in a perfect world, I would say, I'm auditioning for guitar players. 10 guys would show up. All of them would be pretty good, but two or three would stick out really well. And I'd say, you three are, yeah, you're in. You seven, and go back to lessons. You know, come back next year. That's a perfect world. That doesn't happen in churches I've ever been in. Okay? So what we have to do is adapt our situation to this. We're having auditions. We go out. We follow leads to three or four guys. We get them to come to our audition. We got them in there. Two of them can play pretty good. One of them's only got three chords down. We say, okay, we'll take all three of you. But here's the expectations. So we're going to go into to that next step, which would be training. Okay, but I'll get to training next. How to develop the expectations to fit your team. You got to think about what skills are needed for each member on your team. What skills do they need to be able to do? And if you're not a multi-instrumentalist, you may not even know. Oh my gosh, what should the drummer be able to do? I don't know. I'm a piano player. How would I know what the drummer should have to do? Now, I play every instrument, and so it's been in my advantage to, I started young and I started playing all of them. So I'm proficient at every instrument on the stage that I play on. So I can actually write this up and expect and teach this, but not everybody's like that. Not everybody can play every instrument, and some people have maybe two they play, or one or whatever, three. But I encourage most worship leaders to just learn every instrument. That way, they, you know, even if you have to like learn the bass one year and then next year learn piano, just get good at everything. I, I find those musicians to be the most versed in any instrument. They can just they can uh, use that to their advantage their whole career. So pick up an extra instrument if you can. If you don't have this, it's real easy. You find your top musicians that you currently have, and you say, "Hey, Bob." I know, you know you're my lead guy. What do you have to do? What, what's it take? He says, here, you have to know this stuff. And he can write you out a sheet. Or you can just turn over to page 25. And you can say, I'm adopting this new core, sheet, uh, core skills sheet for everybody. This is what I would use. It's, and I wrote it out real quick, but it's basic stuff. And I'm not going to read through the whole thing. Let's just go through acoustic guitar. If you are going to have auditions, you have to have this. I don't know how you could audition somebody without this. Just look at them and say, yeah, you, you can probably do it. I mean, so you have to have some set standard. And it can be two lines, it can be a paragraph, it can be this. But you have to know when they come in, you cannot leave it up to your subjective idea of if they're good enough or not. Don't do that. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. You'll never build a great team if you're just subjectively taking whoever comes up. Don't do that. Know all, so if, if you were to have an acoustic guitar player, okay. They come in for the audition, and you say, do you know all your open chords? Yes. Okay, play one. Okay, G major, C major. You can give them a test. I do it with all my new students. I make them play every chord, and if they don't know, I just write down when the ones they don't, and then I help them learn those chords. But basically, you know all your majors, yeah. Okay, D minor, okay, E minor, F minor, whatever. You know, give them a little test if you're the guitar player. Now, if, you, if you're not the guitar player, I'll teach you how to do auditions with people. Like, you can have your guitar player with you. And you can say, Here, this is Bob. He's going to go through this test with you now. Bob can say, can you play E minor, D minor? No, okay, know that form. How about, uh, can you do your, let's say, bar chords? Let's do all the major seven bar chords. Can you do those? Yeah, okay, yes. Bob says, yes, he can. 
Uh, can you play your power chords? Let's play this progression. So that's something that could be over your head, but you're not. That's okay. Things can be over your head, but remember from the beginning, know when to ask for help. So in your audition, you're going to bring along, who knows, your guitar player, maybe. Unless you're the Mac Daddy guitar player yourself. You go. Uh, okay, Bob says, do you know the, the six major strumming patterns? What are they? Okay, they're right here. Here's a sheet. Can you play those patterns, please? You have to have some set, okay? Do you have a guitar with a pickup? No, I just got this guitar right here. We can just put a mic in front of it. Well, that's not going to work, Bob, because we plug all, or, or, you know, whoever you're auditioning. Know what they need to have. And if they don't have it, tell them. Well, in order to be on the team, you need a guitar that plugs in. So for another 80 bucks, you could probably get one that plugs in or whatever. Um, my teams read the Nashville number system. So I'd say, do you know how to read it? They'd say, no. They'd start whining. I'd say, learn it. Okay. The Nashville number systems. They'd have to know how to read that for my team. So I put it on there, but you don't have to. <clears throat> so basically, I've put together a real a simple skill sheet that you could use this in your auditions. It's not like super hard. You could say, do you know how to play a 4-4 beat? Can you play in all, for drummers? It's, um, can you play a steady beat with a click track? A lot of them cannot, cannot do it. A lot cannot. So can you, can you play to a click? Is that going to matter? Do you want them to? You should be using a click track probably. But if you don't, can they at least keep a steady beat? That's important. So in other words, you're, you might know where your team is, and that's where you're auditioning at. Okay? If all your drummers play to clicks, then the, the fourth drummer you bring in, he, he should be able to play to a click too. Or you should raise him to that bar. That's, that's part of training. Hey, do you have a drum set at home? No, I don't practice. I just play whenever I'm around. That's bad. But you want to know this stuff up front. So this is some of the core skills. You got an instrument. You know how to play. Can you play for a drummer? Can you play a drum beat, a really fast, like 120 beat, whatever? Can you play that really soft and then really loud and then really soft and then really loud? Can they do that? Most drummers won't. But a good drummer will be able to play, a, say, an up-tempo beat at a soft tempo, a soft, uh, soft sound, at a soft sound. They'll, they'll ruin your band, basically, if you're not controlled, if they're just back there cranking on the drums, because when they play fast, that means they play loud. Okay, so you want to know some of these things. That I'm, I'm just explaining some of these core things to you. Um, bass players are easy. I mean, most of them, you know, just play. I, I want to throw in a bass joke right here, but I'm a, Bass players, it's hard to know, but if they can read their strings and notes and everything and play good, they're probably, write this down, the most, one of the most important parts of your entire band, the bass player. He is one of the most important parts. He is so important, and a lot of people just kind of, eh, throw the bass player off, you know. But if you've got a bass player who can play solid, play on, play all the time, be there, be strong, you, I mean, it's, it's money. And the bass is not really played up that well. Everybody wants to play guitar, you know, and that's fine. I mean, I, I'd get like one bass student for every 100 guitar students I'd ever have. But um, so you want to you want to look at your bass player too. Um, but most bass but bass is also a very easy instrument to learn. A lot of beginners can learn it really quickly. It's really easy to get going on a bass. So you with your bass player, you just want somebody solid, tonally, rhythmically, and really and just be there and be solid. Uh, let's see. You could be playing all kinds of wrong chords or something on your guitar, and the bass player, as long as he's on, it covers everything. It brings the band together. It's like the it's like the the sound. 
I'm just going through this. I probably need to move on. If you have any questions about specific instruments, I, you can ask me at the end. Okay, so the core skill sheet's important. And knowing, having some basic understanding of what am I looking for, okay, in every instrument, because that's part of your thing. Uh, let's talk about if you're having a hard time finding musicians. Uh, let's see. If the qual you're looking for quality people, you're not looking for quantity. You you really want less people. You you want more quality people and not a bunch of people. I know. I mean, some churches I look at their stage. There's like 80 people on stage. I'm like, what are they? How do they do that? You know, just get a good quality group. I've like we watched Lincoln Brewster last week, and his band is like him and two other guys and a drummer. They sound amazing. I mean, it's like the most amazing sound in the world. Their bass player is just like, the tone is so big and it just fills up the whole room. You, when you get the right people, you don't need a ton. You need quality people. That goes for spiritual, friendship-wise. And when you're auditioning uh, people, we're going to talk about teams in a minute, but you're, you've got to use the audition process to protect your team. You know, I had some people that have come to me in ministry that would be like team destroyers. They're like really weird and off base or whatever, but they got to be on the worship team. And so when you have this team mentality and everybody's got this flow and then you got this one weird guy that's doing all this weird stuff, you got to be careful. So you got to look at your audition in all these ways. Your team is, is something that you're really going to protect your team. So um, if you're not used to the ideas of auditions, let me just tell you this. Commit to it first. You have to commit. And this depends on your level of commitment. You raise the bar. People look up at that stage and they go, wow, those people got there. And if I want to go there, I'll be able to just audition or interview. And then I'll be on that team. You've got to raise the bar of your team and commit to it. Like, not like this guy gets on because he's your friend and all these people have to audition. Just commit to it overall. So there's an open door at your church for people to go, yeah, I know how to get on the team if, I'm, if I feel like that's it. Seek and desire to develop people. Set your expectations very high. That's what I would do if I was going to set up an audition process. I'd set it really high, like so high that people thought, ooh, like it's an honor. If they got on, it's an honor. Don't make your team like just, eh, we all just got up here. Anybody else want to jump up on these instruments, go ahead. That's not going to help you, okay? Have a set audition requirement. Have a clear entrance process. Um, and this is the benefit. It opens the door for others to join. It allows you to select the best musicians, really. It allows you that opportunity. If you don't audition, then whoever shows up with their guitar and they think they're on your team now, but then two weeks later you find out they don't know their chords and they're acting weird, that's your fault. You didn't audition them. You just opened the door. So it gives you the, uh, the opportunity to assess their skill and place them in the right area. <clears throat> also, it gives you the opportunity to direct someone else, to, to direct them to another ministry. And that's how we'll, I'll teach you how to Do you guys want to know how to say no? The, for me, the audition process is kind of hard because at the end, if you have to say no, it's hard. It's, I've had to say no a couple times, and it's awkward, and it's, it's hard. Here's how you deal with people that aren't ready. So they come in, they, they play, and they're not ready. So you have to have a plan, and you have to be ready to discuss that plan with them. Don't just wait till somebody bad comes in and then realize, oh, my gosh, they're, they're terrible. i got to figure out some other way to not say yes. Have a plan, okay, and here's some things you can do. 
this will happen to you. And this is why most people don't like auditions, especially us worship leaders, because we're like pastors, we're family, we're friends. We don't want to come in and tell Susie that she can't do that because she's terrible. So you say that you offer individual lessons and training to that person. They want to play, they can't play. They're not that good yet. You say, um, I'm going to go ahead and say that for right now it's a no, but in three months, if you take lessons for three months, then I want you to re-audition and we'll talk about it. If you're able to give her lessons, go ahead and give her lessons. If, she's not, if you're not able to teach like uh, piano and she's auditioning piano and you just can hear that this is bad or your piano player says no, we, that, she doesn't understand what she's doing, send her to the university, send her to the local music shop, send her wherever. But here's my opportunity. I spent most of a couple years in guitar lessons and four or five years in music college. My, we paid for it. It's, it's, it's valuable. Music lessons are valuable. And if somebody's coming to me and wanting to play, but I say, no, you're not quite there yet, but they're not willing to take their own money and go buy lessons, that's not my problem or my fault. And teach them to value that. Teach them. Yes, lessons might be $80 a month, but you're asking to be on the worship team. These, this, this is a team of skilled musicians. Do you know your relative minors? What? Well, then maybe you should learn that before you try to come on the team. That's a little bit extreme. But Do you know your bar chords? I don't like bar chords. They hurt my fingers. Well, you need to grow, and, and I really want to see you play on the worship team, but you've got to be able to play the bar chords. You have to. The people that you're coming on with all know how to do that. So you see how when you set the bar high, you really do a better service for you overall. Because if, if everybody up there is kind of stinky, then it's kind of hard to say no. No, you're just a little stinkier than the rest of the stinky guys. Yeah. So you want to train <laughs> and raise the bar. And then your audition process is simple. Most people won't even approach it. Then you can kind of try to reach into the congregation and find people that are in that willingness to come into your team. But if, if you've got people up there just hacking around on their instruments, it's going to be hard to tell most hacker musicians no. So that, that's, that's where training comes in. So how to deal with people. That, you assign musical mentors. This is huge. You say, I want you to play, but I want you to come to rehearsal for the next six months, and you're going to plug in, and we're not going to hear you, but you can hear yourself. You're going to play with our team only at rehearsal. That's a huge thing, because most people aren't even ready. They, they think they are, but they can't even follow yet. So offer musical mentors and bring them in and let them rehearse. So say, hey, band, this is, this is Bob. He's going to be playing guitar with us. Then he gets to know the team. You get to check him out. He gets to strum. And then pretty soon he's like, I can do this. I'm ready. And, and you'll hear, too. Hey, I heard you... It's, it's a way to bring them in. You've got to bring them in, and you've got to train them. Put the burden of learning on them, and be careful with people in general. You know that people develop pride, and they'll just destroy your team. Like, again, you're protecting your team. You have to teach them to be servants. You don't give out too much too quickly. My biggest flaw, you just got to be careful with people. You don't give too much, and you don't tell too much too quickly to any person. And when you bring them into the team, just let them, let them become part of the team. You have to be able to protect that team and build it from the inside. Uh, and you make even your most talented musicians carry your gear. Set up the stage. Crawl around. Tape stuff down. You know, this is something that's really tough, but um, you have to teach and build within your team a, an attitude of servant leadership. And I don't care. I'll tape down cords all day. I'll crawl under the stage. I'll be dirty. I'll be sweaty. I don't care because I've always done that because I love you know, music and I love to do these things. And because if I don't do it, nobody does it and it doesn't get done right. That's why I do it. 
As a leader, you're going to do that. And you're not going to be crawling under the stage by yourself. You're going to be dragging two or three guys behind you. And that's when you become a servant leader. You teach them. In fact, uh, Mia Fields from Hillsong in one of her um, talks at a seminar shared that, you know, Hillsong United um, is that youth band that they have. They're nationally, internationally famous, right? So even the guys on Hillsong United for their first year, they're roadies. They don't get, on, they don't get to go in the band. I'm awesome, man. I'm rocking. I got a cool T-shirt. You're, you're carrying my gear for the first year. That's what they do. And so think about that. Think about that with your team. How many people just show up and plug in and think, yeah, that's it, I'm playing, I'm awesome. My worship leader serves me. My church worships me. That's what happens. We have to teach our people. We're the servants. We're the servants. We're leaders. This is our team, and we're going to lead and serve together. We're going to carry our gear. You're going to carry the worship leader's gear. You're going to carry your bass player's gear. You're going to crawl around on the dirty floor. I think that's important, and I think it's the only way I was ever able to build teams is to show guys that um, bring guys along with me that would, would, would crawl around and that would do all the menial stuff. It builds in them a sense of leadership, too, and it takes the burden off of you. Let's talk about training. Whatever you don't want to do, by the way, this I learned early. If you don't want to make copies, tell somebody in your band to do it for you. I'm being serious. It sounds funny. If you don't want to clear the stage after the worship's over, have two or three of your band members do it for you. I mean, maybe do it with them for a while. But you're teaching them to, to do things for the team. You're teaching them to be a team. Now, I'm not saying, it kind of sounds like I'm saying, go, go tell everybody to do all your work for you. But what happens if we don't do that as leaders? Because I do this, when I was young, this was the hardest lesson for me to learn, is to delegate. And my mentors were pushing me from behind all the time. Delegate, delegate. I like to do things. I want to wrap the cords up. and I want to carry everything. I want to make copies. But I was burned out as a worship leader, as a young worship leader. I had to learn. Yeah, I can, I can clear all this up. I can take these drums apart. I can do it all. I love to do that. But I'm going to ask so-and-so, hey, will you tear these drums down for me and pack them up? Thanks. And that's what, that's what you have to do as a leader. Hey, um, we're about to start practice, but I need 10 more copies and I need these, these collated so I can stand here and do it while you watch me or you could do it for me and I can go do something else. So make sure you're building that up in your team. And that's part about training. So let's talk about training. Uh, training is really important. It's probably the most important part. And I know it's a part that most churches lack. When I did my uh, survey, it was like nobody had a training process. They're like, training what? We don't know. And that's why you have small worship teams and not enough te- uh, people playing for you. It's because you have no training opportunities. And so what I learned in ministry now is that if you don't train them, they're not going to learn it and they're not going to figure it out and they're not ever going to come to your level. So here's what you have to do. Uh, tra- teach is a, is a verb, you know, teach. To impart knowledge or skill to somebody by instruction or example. Uh, to give lessons in a subject or to give lessons to a person or an animal. <laughs> It says animal. That was from the dictionary. But, you know, you're going to teach your dog or whatever, too. Um, To bring understanding to somebody, especially through an experience. Did you hear that? To bring understanding to somebody, especially through an experience. Hey, pack those drums up for the team. You know, hey, stay late and, I don't know, clear off the stage. That is training, too. And that's part of what I was talking about. But it's bringing understanding especially through experience. 
So letting them show up to practice, that's training. Not playing, but showing up. Letting them be a part of your team, but not maybe on Sunday, just for a while until they're ready. Um, to engage or impart knowledge or instruction for a period of time in a particular place. Okay, that's training, whatever. To advocate or preach something, that's what you're going to be doing. You're indoctrinating them. You have to indoctrinate this team that's surrounding you into your own uh, vision. That Remember, we had the, the circle still. It goes back to we envision it, we measure it, we grow it. And as we're doing that, we are training others around us to, to envision it and to grow that same way. So once you have clear expectations, you, you have to communicate them all the time. You have to audition them to get them into ministry, and you can focus on building their confidence okay, and training your team. Uh, remember, we created the core skills sheet, and that's what I use to train people. That's what I use to teach lessons. I would use my core skills. I say, well, here's what you have to know to be a drummer. So if you're lacking, then we're going to be in training. Whether it's going to be private lessons or whether it's going to be one-on-ones, um, in one of my uh, past churches, I'd spend uh, evenings alone with the drummer, with several drummers, and I had one of them especially, and he wasn't ready. I spent evenings and evenings with him alone, him and I, until he became ready, and he became one of our rotating regular drummers. It was after weeks and weeks and weeks of one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what training is. That's what it looks like. Get used to it and do it. If you know there's a vocalist that can't sing on pitch, but she's on your team already, and you've already not auditioned her, spend nights and nights and nights with her. Relationship and growing them into the team member that you want. That's how you get a, a, a good worship team. Okay, so use your course skill sheet to direct and guide you. If you don't know what the course skills are, how are you gonna train the guy? So let me ask you a question. How do you get better at your craft? That's the final answer. I feel like I'm on that game show. I thought that would be a good answer too, but here's the better answer. You get better by evaluation and practice. Evaluation and practice. That's the true way to be better. Now, I know that's true because my students that learn online through my guitar school online, I know they're, some of them are at home and then they don't get anybody to tell them what they did wrong and then they did it wrong for like two weeks and then they got it wrong and then they, they learned it wrong or something, you know? So it's, it's good to have somebody evaluating you along the way. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. It's wrong. Let's, let's move on to that. Let's make it evaluation and practice make perfect. Because practice makes perfect. If I'm holding my guitar pick wrong and practicing it all a long time and then I come in and I get a lesson from a master teacher and he says, and I mean, I spent the last six months practicing this perfect, this, this song. You're holding a guitar pick wrong. I have to now change my guitar pick. And now I can't hardly play, the, I can hardly play the song right because now I've got a different pick position. It's true, right, Jordan? If you practice something wrong, then you get it wrong. It's just not, it's not good. It's just wrong still. You practiced it wrong. So evaluation is important. So a musician with no direction and evaluation will practice wrong. He will learn bad habits and he'll never reach his full potential. That's what a musician without evaluation will do. That's why you're important to your team. You have to evaluate them. So this is all about training. Discipleship and, eva and evaluation in relationships happen by permission. So you're going to have to ask permission, to be honest. And I've had to do this because it's not really that great if you go up to your guitar player and say, hey, you're pretty, pretty bad at that song. You didn't get it. And... In fact, you've been playing it really long and wrong the whole, for like three weeks now. Yeah, that might just offend them. But if you said something like, 
I need permission to evaluate you, you know. I want, I want your permission to be critical so that we can grow and, and we can dig deeper. I need permission. And your team has to give you that permission. You, you almost not asking, you have to ask them for it, but you have to demand it. You have to, re, re, you have to expect that they will give it. Those are the people you need around you. If I'm a worship leader leading my team in my church, and I have a, a, a bass player who will not listen to me, he will not be my bass player very long first. I've just learned that if they will not listen and accept that um, evaluation from you, then they can't play on the team very long. So what's important to you to keep the people is make sure you get that from them. Let them know, yes, I'm going to evaluate you. Our worship leader does. When they come to practice, they'll know. I'm going to play this. He might not like it. He might say, play it differently. Or he might tell me I need to take some extra lessons on slap bass before we can actually play this song that has slap bass in it. So you have to get permission from them, but you have to, you have to, you have to have it. You have to have open evaluation privileges with every member of your team. And it's very important. You only gain that by gaining their respect first, and by be, being very personal, and by being a servant, a humble servant. If you're having problems with somebody in your worship team and they, you need to train them and you don't know how, you have to get to know them. You have to say, hey, uh, hey, worship team member, this has been really hard, but we just can't go any... F- I want to do these two new songs, but I know you just, you just can't do them. So can you just take some lessons? I mean, that, that, I'm saying that's what you... You don't say it like that. That's terrible. But that's the gist of it. You know, hey... Have you thought about taking lessons? Because I think if you did, you'd, you'd be really good at this. This is the, Listen to this CD. And he may go home and practice for a week or two and come back and do it. You know? But you have to be willing to be able to say, no, that, that's not quite it. Can you read this book? You're, you're directing them and training them every day, every time you're with them, every rehearsal. You're directing and training them to raise that bar. It's a, it's a huge responsibility. I'm overwhelmed just thinking about it. Um, so basically, that's training. And let me make sure I didn't forget anything about training. Oh, important training elements. Yeah, let's in page number 26. Guys, this is so important that, I mean, this is like the most important thing, I think. There's a lot of important things, but if you're not training your people and you're not really digging into their life, you cannot expect to walk up on stage and have a good team, period. Just forget it. Just settle for the mediocre team that you already, you just think, okay, whatever, I'll just have that. Just... If you want to have a really excellent team, you have to commit to training because you just indoctrinate them. That's what you have to do. Uh, so here's some important elements. If you're, if you're not doing this, if you haven't done this, if you've never thought of it, here's a, here's a good time to think about it. And, I, and I, never, I didn't think of this early in my ministry. I didn't think of this stuff till a little bit later. And that's why if you're young in your ministry or if you've never thought of it, this is a good thing for you to hear and think about right away. Sound and tech training. So you can mix training, you can do live training. You can, you can take them in the sanctuary, pop some CDs in and say, listen to this. What do you hear? You know, you, whatever you gotta do, this, is, this can get deep. But mixing, we, we did one training where we brought our engineers in and set up a big set of studio monitors and we made them listen to like 10 songs and write down everything they heard and then compare it to what they hear on Sunday morning. Take them out of their element. Take them out of the sanctuary. Take them in their car and listen to music and say, what do you hear? Oh, I hear bass and drums. Well, then how come we can't hear our bass player on Sunday morning? You know, that kind of thing. Train, your music, train them to be your sound guys. 
to be musicians too. Uh, train them on hands on the soundboard. If you don't have somebody that can train, you can call me, you can call other people that do sound training. You know, there, there are ways to do it. You know what I mean? If you don't have the, uh, the, the skill level, ask for help. Call another church and say, hey, we know you guys run 10,000 people. Do you guys have a, a, a lot of them have full-time sound techs. Would you be willing to let us hire your sound tech for two days just to come in and, and train our guys? It's really important. And I know a lot of people don't know how to do sound. They just look at it and just blurs over. And that's the biggest problem. But if you don't know as a worship leader, either get a bunch of books, you're really smart, really quick, or find somebody that's really good. Even one of your team members may be a really good sound guy. Find it out and say, from now on, you know, Joe Bob is going to be the guy that we talk to about sound and make sure that, that he approves the things we're doing. Okay? So you can, do, you can do attitude training with your sound guys. That's actually the most of the training they need is attitude training. All the sound guys out there. If anybody listens to this later and you're a sound guy, yes, attitude training is the sound guy's most important training element. Most sound guys have attitudes, not my sound guys. But I've had enough sound guys with attitudes. It's the, most, it's the worst thing in the world, and most of them have them. But, but the problem is they usually know more than you, and they use it against you. And so you have to, train, you have, to have a servant attitude train sound guy, okay? I'm a sound, professional sound technician myself, so I can speak their language. But a lot of people just, well, we do that because the sound guy does, wants it like that. It doesn't make any sense. So make sure you know what he's doing. Make sure you know, you know that he loves you and cares about you and that you love and care about him and that you're, and he feels like he's in the band. But all that, the other trainings you can do, music theory. You can have books. You can have classes. You can have practice during rehearsal. You can watch videos. Paul Blosch has some great music theory videos. Um, and we've watched some of them. I know some of you might have. But, I mean, there are a lot of resources out there right now. Uh, pl uh, playing lessons. You can do private lessons, group lessons. We did some uh, group guitar classes at my last church. It was really great. We had a bunch of guitar players showing up. It was free. We just all hung out and played music. And we actually, out of that group, we got some good guitar players coming up onto our stage. So sectionals with specific instruments. If you're struggling with your vocalist, say we're going to have some special nights of training. Not rehearsals nights, but different nights where we're going to just do vocal rehearsals, okay? Uh, you can do private lessons one-on-one -on -one or make them pay for lessons. If they're against it, maybe you get the church to pay if the church has funds. Hey, would you send Susie to piano lessons for three months? We really need her, but she just needs some work. Find a good Christian teacher in your, in your area um, and, and, and really work with them. Go to the schools. Um, watch other worship bands. Do band production training. During rehearsals, listen to sessions. Listening sessions are huge. If you can get your band together and just listen to more music. So you can see this and read this. I don't want to go through all of it. If you can bring them to a conference, do it. If you can take them to a worship concert, do it. That's the best. Take them to a really good worship concert and watch their jaws hit the floor. And then when you go back home, you can say, like next week, you can say, wow, I wonder if we could do that. I wonder if we could ever sound like that. Or do you like how he, you know, Chris Tomlin's band, you notice how everybody didn't play the whole time. And you could just hear certain instruments. You can learn a lot just from going to that concert. And your band, although they're there, they're like, they might think they're there for fun, but really you're, you're indoctrinating them using the measure of professionals, 
not just let's go willy-nilly look at some worship stuff, but let's look at the, the top professional musicians. And then we can all measure ourselves. Whether we believe it or not, every musician in your team is measuring himself in his head against everybody he sees on stage. It puts in perspective, oh, I should get drum lessons. Your, your drummer, who's pretty good, might come back and go, I'm inspired, I want to get drum lessons because I really liked what he did. Take them to concerts, guys, that's huge. And just get them indoctrinated into the, into the movement of worship and the professionals that do it. There are a lot of really great inexpensive things to do. But if, if you lead your team through just a few of these new training opportunities that I listed, it's a synergy will start to affect your whole team. Everything's gonna change for you if you just, just a few little things. For me it did, a few little, um, we did a Bible study, we did some group classes, real little stuff. But the people that are hungry to be on your team and to grow, they'll just start to surround that and the team will just really start to raise the bar. Well, I hope you enjoyed that session. Be sure to print off any of the sheets that I mentioned. They will be embedded in this Worship Leadership Seminar course and you can print them off and use them with your team as you grow your team. If you have any questions, always be sure to email me, contact me from the website and just pray and pray and pray that God will give you the wisdom and the power and the perseverance to go forward and build your best worship ministry. This is again Eric Roberts, Worship Band Builder, and you have just listened to a 2011 Propel Worship Leadership Seminar. God bless you. I'll see you on the next episode.